Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity. Forming strong teams to support them, Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is New Year's Eve day, Sunday, December 31st. And today we are airing the second part of an interview that I conducted with Dan Pink back in January of 2019. Boy, does that seem like a long time ago. In this second part of the interview with Dan, you know, we talk about how personality traits in human beings are related to timing preferences. So here is the second part of our interview with Dan Pink. We're talking about his book, When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. And again, this was originally conducted, this interview, in January of 2019. Can you talk a little bit about how the personality traits, because the the ocean, the openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism, which I feel like I have all of those maybe at, at different points in the day. Um, <laughs> so you said that, I'm just going to quote from the book, yeah. much of the research shows morning people to be pleasant, productive folks, introverted, conscientious, agreeable, persistent, and emotionally stable. Yeah. Now, I found that fascinating yeah. as someone who works in the mornings. Yeah, well, or someone who's a lark. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are, there are personality differences. And it, let's, let's take the other side of it. So let's talk about owls. Owls are more prone to depression. Owls are more prone to um, uh, other kinds of mental illness. Owls are more prone to addiction. But owls also test higher on both analytic intelligence and creativity. Mm-hmm. And so I think the interesting question there is which way the arrow points. Is it that people who have mental illness have a difficult time getting up in the morning and going to sleep at night? Or does going to sleep late and waking up late increase your chances of having some kind of problem? We don't know that, but there are these personality differences. I think that the the implications for workplaces, though, back to my accounting firm, 
is that if I say that the main criterion at Pink Partners Accounting is that people have their butts in their seat at 8.30 in the morning, I am losing one-fifth of the talent pool, including the fifth of the talent pool that tests higher on analytic and creative intelligence. Mm. That's a mistake. So what about these places where they want there to be a physical presence of people in the office and they're trying to balance the needs of people to sort of have their own schedules, but there's a team. Yeah. So what's the conclusion for that? That makes I mean, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I don't think that the ideal is necessarily that that although there are workplaces like this, uh, there's there's something uh, a trend that's been out there for a while called a results only work environment where people don't have any schedules. They come in whenever they want. And and, and that can that can work in some instances. You know, I, I just think what you have to do is you have to give people the discretion to make those decisions for themselves. And the truth is, is that people want to be good teammates. People care deeply what their peers think of them. And so if there's a meeting or a group project, you'll come in. Right. Because in general, most people are responsible. And people ha- there's a certain amount of peer pressure that comes from not letting down your teammates. And to me, it doesn't. that's not the problem. To me, that's not the biggest problem that we should be worrying about. If you have someone who says, I'm not coming in because I don't want to help my team, that's not a chronotype problem. That's a hiring problem. Yeah, that, that's a personality yeah, problem, yeah. right? Uh, let's shift gears and talk about lunch. Can you talk a little bit about fueling, refueling, gym time, all those like okay. fun parts of the, the chronotype? Right. But on lunch, we can think of lunch as, let's think of this big category of breaks. And lunch is just another category of break. And what the research tells us is that um, at some level, we have overvalued breakfast and undervalued lunch. Uh, okay, I'll put it. In, I'll put it in. I'll put it in, in, in investing terms. All right. I'm going to short my shares in breakfast, and I'm going long on my shares I like of that. lunch. It's like all a right? day part kind of uh, spread that it, we're putting it, on. It's absolutely, because I, I do think that the that, that if you look at the actual research on breakfast, mm. it is. It doesn't say breakfast is bad. Not at all. It says breakfast might be good. Yeah, and it's not as good as you think it is, probably. Yeah, and and it, and it basically says, hey, healthy people eat breakfast, but we don't know whether eating breakfast makes them healthy. It mm. could be that healthy people just like to eat breakfast. Um, and also, some of these studies have been funded by breakfast food companies. And so you got to take it with some degree of skepticism. My view, I'm, I'm, I'm very agnostic on that. Eat breakfast if you want. Don't eat breakfast if you don't want. But lunch because it's it's in the middle of that work day is valuable because it is a break and it actually gives you some of the things that we know effective breaks give you particular first of all physical refueling but second of all if you have lunch with somebody else another Social, social interaction. interaction exactly. That's amazing. What about gym time? Like you talk about yeah. like taking walks but is there an optimal time given peak trough recovery that we should be thinking about going should you be like if if peak is where you're really good at those mental yeah. tasks, like real thought process. Should you not be working? Like a lot of people I know, they just like, I work out first thing in the morning because that's the best time to work out. Sure. Um, well, it could be for some people. And, and here's the thing. There, there, are, there are a number of different variables here, but what we, there's some good research on this. So what we know is that morning exercise is good for if you have certain kinds of goals. Morning exercise seems to be better for habit formation, mm. in, in part because you're less likely to get interrupted at 7 in the morning than at 5 in the afternoon. Morning exercise seems to be better for weight loss, although a lot of the research is showing that exercise is less, in, less effective for weight loss. Weight loss is really hard. Yeah, it's diet. 
It's sorry, guys. It's 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 it's, it's <laughs> diet. Shut, you got to shut it's your also, mouth. Also, <laughs> but it's also it's also just that it's also like we're not prisoners of bi- biology, but we live in a state governed by biology, mm-hmm. and so people have a set point of weight, fairly narrow band, and they're unlikely to get too far on either side of it. And that's how you are. Blame your DNA. Um, but the one thing about morning exercise, which I think is is very effective, though, is this, that exercise, aerobic exercise, certainly, some interesting new research showing even strength training gives us a, a, a mood boost and, and a pretty enduring mood boost, mm. 10 hours sometimes. And so if you exercise in the morning, you get that mood boost all the way through the day. If you exercise at, say, six at night or something like that, you might end up sleeping through some of that mood boost. Now, late afternoon and early evening exercise is better for other things. It's better for avoiding injury. Um, mm. And I think, this is my guess, uh, I think that's because of changes in body temperature. Our body temperature is highest at that moment, so we're literally more warmed up. Hmm. Um, it's better for performance. Uh, lung capacity is higher. Uh, hand-eye coordination is better. Speed is greater. Hmm. And so there's some interesting research showing that uh, a disproportionate number of world records and speed events were set between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. local time. That's wild. It's crazy, right? Yeah, it's great. Um, and then, um, and then also people report enjoying late afternoon and early evening exercise more. That's so, just because that the hottest people are in the in the gym at that time. Maybe? Could, be. could be literally the warmest because everybody's body temperature is, is the highest. It could be that you're throwing off the stresses of the day. I, I actually believe, and 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 it's weird. It's it's a weird thing. Like I never thought about is these changes in body temperature are actually more important than we realize. It changes in body temperature are one of the things that add that aid significantly in falling asleep and in wakefulness. And even in certain kinds of physical performance, that period when your body temperature is higher does boost you just a little bit. It really depends on your goals. One is not better than the other. And so for me, since I'm a lark, I actually don't like exercising in the morning because I like doing my work then. Yeah. And then by the end of the day, I'm so stressed out and miserable, I actually enjoy going for a run at five in the afternoon or mm-hmm. six in the afternoon or something That's like interesting. That. I, I am the midday kind of person. Okay. And I think that it has something to do with needing a boost, you know, because I wake up so early. If I finish this interview right now, which, you know, we'll wrap up and uh, I eat a little something and in an hour and a half, I'll go to the gym. Hmm. That, so about what time of day? Uh, two. Two two's. in the afternoon. And that's about how far? So you woke up at what, five? Four thirty this morning. Oh my! Okay. So like one thirty or two o'clock. Okay. So gym. so so four to so that's nine hours after you after you've woken up. Yeah. So, so for me that would be something like it's interesting. So for me it'd be something like I wake up at around seven. If I went to the gym nine hours after I woke up, that would be four in the afternoon. Right. So pretty good. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because it sometimes it's just as you said, it has to be where you can form the habit. Sure, so for sure. so I think that for many people, it's like when are you gonna actually get there? To me it's like, oh, it's this perfect time, morning's done. Sure. I mean, if the market blows up or does something weird in the middle of the day, I usually cancel, but whatever. Right. I think that just being aware of your own body is fascinating to me. And that's why I love this book, because so much of it felt like, yes, I could bring that into my life and make a positive change. So let us talk about my favorite word in the entire book, nappuccino. (laughs) By far the best. Are you a napper? I can be because I wake up so early. Right. And so there are, you know, it can sort of happen in the mid-afternoon. And I, I've sort of been thinking like, oh, I should be meditating. And actually napping feels better. 
you know what? But but I, it's interesting you say that because there are a lot of similarities um, in brain function and just in mood between napping and meditation. There really are. Um, here's what we know about napping. It's pretty good for us. Um, again, it goes against our puritanical ways. Uh, but the best naps are extremely short, between 10 and 20 minutes long. After, that was what amazed me. That surprised me, too, because I began this pretty anti-nap because my own experience napping was unpleasant because I would wake up and I would feel like crap. And the and that's what something called sleep inertia, which happens when you nap beyond about 20 minutes. But a 10 to 20 minute nap is there's a lot of research on this. It's very restorative. Um, it's it's right in that it's right in that sweet spot. Less than 10 minutes doesn't do you much good. More than 20 gives you sleep inertia. Right in that 10 to 20 minute window, it really just smooths things over and restores a lot of mental acuity, restores some physical energy. Okay, so now add in the caffeine part. Okay, so here's so this is something I swear by now. I don't do it every day at all. But um, look at you! You're like, don't judge me. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. do it every day. No, I don't do it every day. <laughs> I, I, you know, I want to advocate this, but I'm not. I don't want to be like a, you know, like a. You're like not a an pusher, A pusher on the corner, like handing out the drugs here. The here's what I do. So I have noise canceling headphones, and so I will set my timer for 25 minutes. Put on my noise canceling headphones. Right before I press go on my 25 minute timer, I will have a cup of coffee, and I just guzzle it. In fact, I will often brew a cup of coffee, put like some chunks of ice in it just to cool it off because I'm not enjoying the coffee. Mm. I'm just guzzling it. All right. Seems weird, but stick with me. So then I close my eyes, have my noise canceling headphones on, and I can usually fall asleep in, say, 10 minutes. And one of the things that we know about napping is that the more you do it, the better you get at it. And that, in that sense, it's very much like meditation. If you just take somebody off the street and say, start meditating, mm. they're going to have a really hard time. But you bring them back day after day after day after day after day after day after day, at a certain point, they're going to be able to meditate from 10 seconds to 30 seconds to a minute to a minute and a half. So napping is that way. So I can usually fall asleep in 10 minutes. I fall asleep in 10 minutes. My alarm goes off in 25 minutes. That gives me 15 minutes of actual nap. Right in that sweet spot. But here's the cool thing. Caffeine takes about 25 minutes to get into our bloodstream. So at that moment that I'm waking up, okay, ideal nap, no sleep inertia, I get this other boom, this boost of caffeine right there. And that's why it's called a nappuccino. Oh, I love that so much. It's awesome. And, and I mean, it really, it, I mean it, it, really, it really works. What's interesting about that nappuccino is that I have gotten a lot of email about that from readers who particularly two kinds of email. One, it allowed me to survive the military. Two, oh, wow. it allowed me to survive graduate school. Mm. I never knew it had a name. I thought I was the only one who did this. That's so awesome. Well, we'll have one more day of our interview with Dan Pink. Consider it using the calendar to prompt you to think about different things in your life. If you've got a question about your financial circumstances, you're about to make a great money reset, you're trying to figure out where to go next, what to do, we're here for you. Mark and I would love to hear from you. Just go to JillOnMoney.com. That's our website. Click the Contact Us button and we would get your note. So easy to do. Don't forget this time of year, every day, all the time, do something nice for someone else today. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 